FBI! If the bus blows up, he wins. Hello everyone and welcome to a special episode of the Ornithology. My name is Ben Hyten. And uh, yeah, that's me. I'm Alex Blair. I'm, yeah, I'm one, one of the hosts. The reason that this is a special episode, not only are we finally at Point Break, a film that I've been chomping at the bit to talk about for ages as part of the Keanucopia, to round out the trilogy of vaguely homoerotic action movies that we have done over the previous seasons, including Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando and Tom Cruise's Top Gun. We have my sisters, Joe Cardew. Hello. And Laura Hyten. Hello. How are we all? Very well. Yeah, good. Good. Excited to be back, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. As is tradition when we have guests on, I mean, technically, you are the first guests of this season, although, Joe, your eldest son, or only son, in fact, appeared a couple of weeks ago on uh, Bill and Ted briefly, and I thought, did a fine job. I was very proud. He has been bugging you for ages to be on. Um, and then the second he heard his voice on the podcast, he ran out of the room. Um, but I thought he did really well. It was great. He was very funny. Yeah, he's got plenty of time to think about bonus journey. Uh, bonus journey? Bogus journey. It's a bonus if he wants to come back. <laughs> um, yeah, it was good. It was really good. I enjoyed that little extra bit. It, it changes things up uh, from having our aged voices yeah, exactly. And he did exactly what I wanted, which was to provide some modern day context. And I think reading between the lines, he's basically saying, you're old. Um, <laughs> now, Laura, I don't really know what your sort of history with Keanu Reeves is. I'd say arguably Joe has been probably following Keanu Reeves pretty much since the beginning of his career in one way or another. Things like Dracula and, and this. But Laura, I don't know what your history with Keanu Reeves is other than, you know, you've seen The Matrix. Have you got feelings about him? He's fine. I don't know that I have a history with Keanu Reeves. I suspect the first one of his films I saw was probably Speed. But Matrix was the first one I remember. And is probably one of my favourite films. But I wouldn't say that he's necessarily someone I seek out as such. But I enjoy his work sometimes like 50 percent of the time maybe maybe less yeah in the opposite of tom cruise i think keanu reeves is a really decent person and so i like him in that sense but he doesn't necessarily always make very good films <laughs> what about um what's the consensus feel free to chip in what's the consensus about his sort of level of talent then because one of the things that we came back to time and time again with tom cruise was regardless of whether you like him or not, he makes good movies, and he's generally pretty damn good in them. Whereas Keanu Reeves has this stigma against him that Keanu's Keanu, and if you're into that, that's what you're going to get. And we're starting, I think, actually with this film, a couple of mm. the earlier ones as well, to make the case that he does have a range, although it's limited. Go. Yeah, I, um, it's one of my notes for this, actually, um, which we'll probably get to when we get to Staples, that it was quite different to... Bill and Ted, for example, in terms of how he came across. He doesn't have the range of a Tom Cruise. I think that's fair to say. But I, I think... Definitely. That's definitely yeah. fair to say. 
I think this is an example that he can do more than Ted. Have either of you seen uh, any of those earlier films that we've talked about, like Permanent Record or The Night Before, any of that? No. No, fair enough. No, it was interesting listening to those to the episodes, though. So this is yeah. the earliest film both of you have seen? For me it is, but Joe, you've seen yeah. Bill and Ted, haven't you? I've seen I Bill and Ted, Oh, I yeah. see, Bill of course. Of course, Bill and Ted, course, and Ted. I always forget about that. Yeah. I think there's probably some, based on episodes that have come out already, so like Dangerous Liaisons, um, I've seen, which I actually don't remember him being in. So that would be interesting to go back to. He's not It's really weird. Much, it's, it's really weird, Laura, that... So when, when people talk about Bill and Ted, have you not... You've never experienced it, so you don't really get the I've, references. I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never watched it all the way through. I kind of get the references, but I think I fell more in the Wayne's World crowd. Ah, uh, yeah. It seems to be a, a heightened family. The Wayne's World is more of a... You're more of a Wayne's World family than you are a Bill and Ted family. Possibly my influence there, I would say. Given yeah, really? That, yeah, I would, that's given that Laura is 11 years younger than me. She pretty much was forced to watch what I was watching a lot of the time. Everything I think you need to know about this film pretty much is in the opening credits. It's surfing and it's shooting and it's hot dudes in the rain sometimes. Keanu Reeves is playing the elegantly named Johnny Utah, an FBI agent who is moving to LA to help join the major crimes task force there, the, uh, the bank robbery division and track down with his partner, Gary Busey, the also awesomely named Angelo Pappas, the ex-presidents, a group of uh, bank robbers who do bank jobs in the masks of former presidents. And Angelo's theory is that the ex-presidents are surfers. So Johnny Utah is gonna learn to surf, try and find these dudes. Now that is a fucking mental plot to pitch to a studio and fair play to them for bankrolling this wild film. Before we get into yeah. the major players, does anybody have anything to say about that? Why not? And I'm kind of glad that they did it. And it's almost, you think this is it's going to be mental, but actually the surfing obviously leads into some of the philosophy for the ex-presidents. And obviously the FBI is the main thing, but it's, I think it's more just the landscape that it's on like it's not a film about surfing although there's a lot of that kind of philosophy in you know it's just a actiony heist film but the surfing adventure sports because there's more than surfing in it um bit of it just lends for some really cool and um beautiful cinematography in it i like it i, I like that it's a bit of a weird plot it's different. It's memorable. Yeah, I mean, I I actually think that surfing is quite central to the plot, even though I don't know that... I wouldn't say that this movie is about surfing. It isn't. It's about Bodhi's, uh, you know, Patrick Swayze's character's insane life philosophy, which, you know, they call him a bodhisattva, or bodhisattva, however Americans pronounce it, which is, I guess it's just somebody who... Um, is on a Buddhist path or something like that. That's really, really, really all it means. It means You're not necessarily it's the enlightened one, quite literally. Yeah, it, it, there's different interpretations. The, the one I've become accustomed to over the years has been it's just anybody doing it, um, or or body cheater is the other word that is 
goes hand in hand with that. And that means somebody who's practicing, trying to be enlightened. But to become a bodhisattva, it's like this guy, in the, the character in this movie, thinks that you have to be free of all impositions and all shackles and surfing kind of lends itself to that lifestyle. And he has this dream of catching, the, you know, this monster wave that's on this, this storm in the Arctic. And he has this philosophy that makes him a little bit of a surfer cult leader. This, this movie paints a terrible picture of surfers. And it's like the, my direct opposite experience of any time I've spent around people surfing or, or, or windsurfing. I'm terrible at it. I, but my experience has, has always been that they're re- really nice, really supportive, will help you learn. But you get the kind of exact opposite uh, culture here of just people putting uh, Johnny Utah, Keanu Reeves down for like trying and you're not one of us kind of this cliquey idea. And it's like, that's not the impression I had of surfers at all. Well, it's tribalism, and I think there is an argument to be made. It's not the case, but there is an argument to be made that the guy who wrote this movie um, had a bad time feeling left out by, you know, some hotter, cooler people. It's like, but also, (laughs) there's also in modern day terms, there's sort of you, you know, groups of hippies or or hipsters or any sort of, of those sort of fringe cultural tribes. They can be really annoying. And this is almost like a revenge piece against yes. that. Let's take a city kid, put a gun in his hand, and systematically have them wipe these douchebags out. And I think that's true of everyone apart from Patrick Swayze. I think Patrick Swayze, whether you like him or not, uh, or get on board with his philosophy or not, he at least has some depth. All the others are just cutouts, or, or actually, in most cases, pretty horrible people to be hanging around. Yeah, and what I... But- I think what was also quite interesting they did is within because there is this perception of surfer dudes, um, but within the surf the surfing dudes uh, in the film, there there were these very very different subgroups as well. I'm sure we'll come on to talk about the other group um, at some point, which are you know the opposite in terms of philosophy, even though they're all into surfing. The, I mean, they were like the really horrible ones um, out of the surfing community. So it's quite Nazis. interesting that, yeah, surf Nazis, like that's so in contrast to the general, you know, laid back, loving nature approach of, of surfers generally. So, yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. The surf, did anybody spot the, the mm-hmm. weirdest of the sort of surf Nazis? Who, yeah. No reason for him to be in this film at all. No, and Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, Mr. Chili Peppers. And the Chili Peppers, yeah. Yeah, uh, very, very funny seeing him in it. And also it's like, they, t- at least two of the members of that crew appear to be Native American or Native in some, t- to some other culture, ethnic, let's say. And it's so weird that they, they appear also to be like white supremacists as well, that the group act, are acting that way anyway. They are definitely surf Nazis that, you know, it's not a well thought out group. Uh, it's not. I, I'm going to go on record right now, right at the beginning. I don't think it's a well thought out film. Like this took me massively by surprise. Yeah, it took me massively by surprise. I know that Ben's face is stunned. It's shocked. I haven't seen this film since I was 12. And everybody raved about it like it was the best movie ever. On our last podcast, on our last episode, Ben went on record that this film 
gets him as excited, if not a little bit less, as as Die Hard. Now, yeah, it's a, it's for my money, it's an action classic of the of the period. I, hey, I'm not faulting the fact that it's a classic or that it has a, a very um, dedicated following. Yet, I am willing to be convinced in the next hour or so that it's on a par with Die Hard. I, I cannot, I cannot see it. Well, I, I don't see it. My justification is in two words: Catherine Bigelow. She uh, explain uh, that. that doesn't, I don't. She's, she's the director, and in anyone else's hands, this would be the laughable, stupid movie that it deserves to be. But she fucking kicked this one out of the park. It is so well made. Yeah, I think that's the key, isn't it? Because there, there were a number of things that we kind of wrote down as our notes that we went, that, that's not good, like, in terms of logic or, <laughs> uh, you know, you've got an undercover guy doing the stakeouts and the raids. That's generally not a good idea. Um, but I yeah. think it just, yeah, you kind of go, hmm. But actually, it, it, it doesn't matter, then it doesn't, detracts and it would have detracted i guess if somebody else because it's all about having keanu on the screen if somebody else had, had done those things um and yeah it's so it's a beautifully made film so i think actually some of the more slightly problematic elements don't really matter but in a similar way to what we talked about on top gun where the casting of the female romantic lead let's say made the character more interesting I think that's true of Laurie Petty as as Tyler as well. She's not a yeah. she's not a classic California beach babe. Mm-hmm. She's quite tomboyish. She's actually quite masculine in some ways. Quite un- androgynous, yeah. Yeah, that's probably a better word. Uh, she really reminded me of young Courtney Cox in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, past that, I agree. Um, and and things like that, and also there's a lot more obviously lingering on the males in the film than there is any females. There's also lots of tiny little touches throughout that I think show that as, as crazy as this film is and as stupid as it should be, it is still rooted in reality. And it very, very rarely actually jumps the shark to, if you'll excuse the pun. But the other thing I think that's really surprising coming from a female director is how muscular the action scenes are and the way that she chooses to shoot those i think this is very ahead of its time in terms of action filmmaking Mm. the way that they shot we have a lot of handheld footage which is the norm now but they had to use very advanced technology at the time to do that there are quite long single shot takes Mm. like when you walk through the fbi office with john mcginley at the beginning and the bank raid that keanu goes on with the ex-presidents those both start with these long tracking shots, not tracking shots, like what single take shots. And the editing is absolutely phenomenal. And I, I just think it's a film that's elevated by the craft. I, it, it is obviously ridiculous. Yeah. No, no, that I can take. I mean, the craft, for sure, the craft element of it elevates the film. That That's part of you're going some way to convincing me. But the, one of the major... Again, like you said, well, you say saving graces of what is a ridiculous plot is the way that it's directed. It is, it is beautifully shot for sure as well. There's some amazing visuals in this uh, and worth watching just, just for that. It made me like 
I really want to go to the sea now. I really want to spend some time outside. And at the same time, whilst I can get on board with plot problems or, or uh, like issues with like, well, that wouldn't happen or it's not believable or, uh, you know, yeah, like, like you said, Joe, Keanu uh, is undercover and yet he's, it's the same guy going on the, the raid. It's like he's, he can so easily be made. Um, and so there's just strange things like that that they, di- they did take it away from me. It could have just been the time I was watching it. Uh, you, you said it, it didn't matter. I don't think it mattered too much, uh, but it did still take me out of it. And whilst I'd say there is good direction, it's being well, well crafted. The highlight for me in terms of acting was Patrick Swayze. I thought he, he's, a, he's a fantastic job. I loved, I loved Patrick Swayze and Gary Busey in this. Keanu, I don't feel like Keanu's elevated to be equal with them in this. I think he does okay. <laughs> I think he does okay. And also, Laurie Petty is a massive, massive letdown for me. There wasn't a single scene where I believed any chemistry I didn't believe anything that she said. The character made me feel like, like she didn't even ha- have anything. She was like one of the most two-dimensional versions, one-dimensional version of sort of action film love interest. And yet there was an attempt to make her more, more whole, more um, appealing. Um, and I just, I, her, her, she's got these big moments where she's supposed to be like having some kind of insight into Keanu and like, Oh, you're doing that face again. And she, she says it several times throughout the film. And I just didn't buy it. I, I couldn't. Like, what face? Keanu's got one face in this film. It's, it's, really, it's really, like, inappropriate imaction, imaction? Inappropriately emotionless reaction shot gets a massive tick for me in this. Anyway. I, I, I want to tell yeah. you your, yeah. everything you just said to pieces, but I'm going to let the others speak for a minute. No, you, uh, you have to. That's the point. You have to. So I, I'm sure we'll come on to the um, emotionless thing because we had a very different take on that. But um, the Laurie Petty, I'm, I'm kind of with you in that I, I remember before we sat down and watching it going, I remember just being a bit annoyed by her from the last right. Martinez. I wasn't as annoyed this time. And I think it's a shame that she doesn't get more to do. Um, I mean, her character, this film is about Bodie and Johnny. So... Unfortunately, her character is there as a means to an end for him to get that foot into the door. And yeah, I don't believe it's this big, great love and all that kind of stuff. So you just have to go with it. But it's a shame because, you know, you've got this small, petite woman kicking ass on the waves. And I'm pretty sure that was Laurie Petty doing a heck of a lot of that um, from some of the shots. So it's it's a shame that they did have quite an interesting choice for a female lead. Um, you know, was away from um, typecasting, and uh, she just wasn't really given much to do um, because that wasn't her character's almost irrelevant to the plot. Yeah, it's just a bit of a shame. But we'll come back to the emotion thing because we're, we're going to go toe to toe on that on Alex. No, I agree. I think yeah, it's more of a writing problem than anything that Laurie Petty was doing. I think. And that once they hook up, it's just she's sort of shoved into the background and now it's let's use her as a device to just get to him. Yeah, I think and not not enough credit in the film is given to the fact that she is actually the one that trains him how to surf and gives him the valuable skills. 
Yeah, I think their entire relationship is in that montage where she teaches him to surf, basically, isn't it? And again, we come to the problem of Keanu is so damn hot, especially with his wet, <laughs> slipped back hair. That why wouldn't you fall in love with this person? And it wasn't, it didn't take me out of it. I, I, I bought it, but uh, it's difficult to, to look at it with fresh eyes when this is a film I've watched pretty much every year for the last 30 years. I will agree right. with what you said though, Laura, is that there is at least an effort in that first hour when this is a much more knockabout kind of film than it is in the second half. It, it, it handles that jump into becoming a serious violent action thriller in the second half really well, I think because it's quite funny in the first half. It's certainly much lighter in tone and there's almost no violence at all. And it's, it is a shame that they, which Laurie Petty basically, she is used just to be the kidnapped victim as a bargaining chip on the, on the chessboard between Bodie and Johnny Utah. But as far as Keanu goes, it surely won't have escaped you, Alex. This is the first, not the first time we've seen him handle a gun, but this is certainly the first time we've seen him fire a gun. This is definitely the first film that Keanu's been in that you could class as an action film. And I think... He, he, he pumped up for this film, didn't he? He worked out, for sure. Uh, yeah, because he was he a really bigger. fat guy in the earlier movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, no, I mean, he was scrawny. He looked like he'd, he'd beefed up a bit. He's, he's, yeah, he's toned, for sure. Yeah, his arms are bigger. I, I definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got some guns. Um, and they did, they did all have to do surf training, although a lot of the surfing for all of them is done by professional surfers, two of which are the other guys in the crew, Gromit and Nathaniel. They're actually pro surfers turned actors. In fact, Nathaniel, sorry, the guy who plays Nathaniel, John Philbin, is done almost exclusively surfer movies, including a film in 2015 that I really want to check out, which is called Bikini Inception. Of course. Yeah. Of course. That's going to be a, that's going to be a classic. Uh, but I think Keanu is <laughs> fantastic in this. I think he, for, you know, first time out the gate, 100% looks the part as the action lead. And I think actually, on top of all the running and the jumping and the shooting and the, you cross the line, bro. The scene between him and Laurie Petty, where he wants to tell her that he's a fed and she thinks that he's trying to tell her that he loves her. I think Keanu is legit great in that scene. I think he really nails that. I get what you're saying, Alex, about how she's, she is saying all of this stuff about his face and you didn't see anything on that face. I look at it another way in that Keanu is doing here what he is best at, which is being still and letting other people project character onto him. Now you could argue that that is a fault of Keanu's and the script having to, you know, make up the balance, but I, I, it works in this. I think it works absolutely brilliant. He doesn't have to do much more yeah, than just sit on the waves and stare. Of at course, him. of course, that's why that's why Keanu in this role works. And one of my notes I made is, this is a thing. Like I, I'm going to sound stupid saying this because it's so obvious, but this film to me is one of the best examples of why you cast pretty people in films because it, you, it draws your attention when there isn't much to pay attention to. There, there isn't much. Or it creates believability when there isn't much to be believed in terms of the chemistry or the writing. I'm a bit hung up on something. Bikini Inception. Is, that, is the premise of it making it 
making women believe or, or men that it's their idea to wear, wear a bikini it's a bikini then, within a bikini within a bikini it's three oh, levels of bikinis that's what i think okay. but does we're just gonna have to involve, watch it does it also involve convincing people to wear bikinis maybe right. Ho because, hopefully well, I'm, johnny utah by the way johnny utah was up until halfway through the filming of this the actual title of the film and i do well, not think we would be sat here talking about it if it was actually called johnny utah <laughs> So why is it called Point Break? Surfing because term. it's a. Go on, Joe, he's, go on. They say the name of the film in in it. He's explaining when they're trying to I work didn't out. I realise that. Yeah, when they're trying to use the hair DNA to figure out where the surfer groups are, and so it looks like it's this beach. And Keanu goes, "Oh yeah, that's got a great Point Break there." And uh, yeah, it's like uh, where the waves. He said that. He said it. Crashing. Uh, do you have anything to add, Laura, about Keanu's uh, performance? No, I, don't, um, I think Joe and I were both in agreeance. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> that it was, if anything, sometimes a bit too emotional. <laughs> it gets very shouty at times. Yeah. That I think could you, could uh, you give, passion. A, give an example, Laura? In, in character? No. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I think... <laughs> <laughs> like the bit where uh, at the car with Gary Busey when they're looking at the, the car that's been dumped up on the hills... He just suddenly gets really in his face and shouty. Yeah, that's a <clears throat> that's a structural thing because you've got to get this thing up and running as fast as possible. You've got to get the the surfer theory out there as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a leap of logic that bit. Let's talk about the other members of the cast. So Swayze is the other, he, you know, he's definitely the bigger actor at this time. He'd already done Dirty Dancing. He just come off of Ghost. Obviously had the classic Roadhouse under his belt as well so he'd done a bit of the action star stuff as well joe i know you were a big swayze fan back in the day weren't you why don't you talk to us a little bit about patrick swayze yeah and uh, i made laura giggle because <laughs> at one point on the film she went oh, patrick swayze was just such a beautiful man yeah he i was quite struck actually i don't remember him looking so different in this he looked quite different in this to a lot of his other roles um, and I remember his hair as being worse than it actually is in this film. And I think that's down to the poster. And he actually looks smaller in this, shorter is probably the better term, um, than I remember. Usually he comes across on screen as, you know, uh, not a huge guy, but presence. But yeah, I thought he was great. I think he kind of got the right balance of this philosopher guy who, you know, has this great, idealistic philosophy but he's also robin banks which is and he physically was in good shape it kind of made me miss him you know it's really sad um a, a civil war series that he did north and south is one of my all-time favorites i've watched that series so many times so many times um so i'm i kind of love it i think what's striking about uh swayze in this when i first saw it it was like there's a kid who has a go at Keanu Reeves uh, saying, you know, it's, it's, it's great a man your age is learning to surf. Now, I know that he's yeah. just setting out uh, on the surfboard journey at 25, but I think Swayze looks so much older than almost mm. everyone in this. Like, he looks the same yeah. as Gary Boosie. Yeah. But I think that fits with the whole kind of almost, Alex touched on it, almost cult leader persona. You know, there's all these young guys who are looking up to him and will just do whatever he says and will follow him um, literally to the end, you know, even in the last heist where all of a sudden he goes away from his normal 
plan and they just do it because he's the one that's saying to do it and yeah um, there's no moment where they go what i mean there's that there is a tiny, a tiny moment yeah there's, yeah, a, there's but a tiny moment. you're right he just he just barrels mm. on he just carries on yeah i think he ha a lot of that just has to be in his um conviction and his understated passion when he's talking about his philosophy because actually when you look back on it there isn't a huge amount of time or interaction you know we start at the point where they've got a month to nail these guys it takes keanu a, a week or two yeah. to magically become an amazing surfer um so actually well. for that crazy bond you know we're supposed to really believe that keanu is in this real oh that johnny utah is in this real struggle um and that you know he loves this guy and there isn't actually an awful lot of, of opportunity to establish that um, mm. that we see throughout the film. So I think the way Patrick Swayze has to come across as that enigmatic, natural magnetism to his personality and somebody that people want to be around and want to um, kind of follow. And Laurie Petty warns Keanu right at the beginning about it. It's, and that that's all comes down to Patrick Swayze's um, on-screen presence and that you go with it and you kind of go, yeah, he is somebody that someone else would want to be around and aspire to be and follow. Because there isn't really an awful lot else that would explain why Johnny Utah is so conflicted um, by the end of the film. I think there's also that philosophy, like this line that um, Patrick Swayze says is, they only live to get, he's talking about the other crew, the, the surfer Nazis. They only live to get radical. They don't get the spiritual side of things. You know, that line is like, and, and I'm just like, is banking, is robbing banks spiritual or radical? What is it? Is it? I, I just didn't, it didn't, it didn't fit. And then this line, which is that Laurie Petty says, speaks to that sort of maniacal, charismatic cult leader that um, that's what, that's the character Patrick Swayze's playing um, with a lot of pretense about, about it being spiritual, but really he just, he's an anarchist. He just wants to tear down, tear down the system. And Laurie Petty says, you've got that kamikaze look, like Keanu has a kamikaze look. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have a kamikaze look. I'm, I know I'm repeating the point I was making earlier, but then, he, but then she goes and say, Bodhi will take you to the edge. Right, that he's gonna he's gonna get you killed, and then they go off on this thing, and then they they go off on this late night, whatever surfing jaunt. What's it called? What's a surfing jaunt called? They just go night surfing. They just go surfing. Yeah, I'm surely there's a name. There's some cool name that I'm that's, that's passing me by. Well, at one point, Patrick Swayze says five foot zeros, which I assume is the yeah, tubes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tube, yeah. Tube so they go and catch. They're going catch some gnarly tubes and um yeah that's it they catch some gnarly tubes and keanu has the spiritual experience that that i think it's that's the love that it's it and and um it's the love of that like whoa and he's saying i'm gonna fucking die i'm gonna die and then it ends up being an amazing experience for him and i think that patrick Swayze becomes the figurehead for that i mean I accidentally slipped the word cult in there. I didn't, but that there's a lot of that in this actually a lot more than at least that's the picture that's being painted. I'm not suggesting that surfers are necessarily a cult, but potentially there's a lot of, there's a lot of love and culture surrounding it. So arguably that's what a cult is. It's a subculture. 
but he's certainly the figurehead of an extreme end of weird surfing culture. Joe, you wanted to pick up on Patrick Swayze? I think this is certainly the the only one I could think of, the only film of his I could think of for the, the majority of his career where he was a baddie. And even then he's not, he's not 100% like evil uh, in it. Um, we did kind of go, mm, Donnie Darko, but that's much later in his career. But yeah, so I thought that was quite interesting casting because you've got to expect that he's a big part of the plot because, you know, he's the other head on the poster and he's, like you said, like a big star at this point. But I thought that was quite interesting that you you are naturally going to warm to him because it's Patrick Swayze playing it. It's not a classically adversarial Hans Kruger versus John McClane adversary. Welcome to the party, pal! From an action film perspective, it is more of that conflicted. This is a guy you could genuinely like. Yeah, oh, and I think that's... You're right about the, the nature of the antagonist-protagonist dynamic in this which is another thing that i think makes the film interesting he isn't really a bad guy he only breaks his code of non-violence when the stakes are upped because they've got a fed on the crew the only reason they are adversarial like they would be best buds in any other situation him and um uh, johnny the only reason they're adversarial is because he robs banks and he catches people who robs banks it's kind of like the dynamic between rob de niro and al pacino and heath like those guys would have had a great friendship if they just weren't on opposite sides of the law. Something that I remember you saying when we saw this film back in the 90s, though, was that you thought the film dropped the ball in the sense of, um, in the first half, are we supposed to not know that that's Patrick Swayze in the Ronald Reagan mask because he's got such a recognisable voice and eyes? And I don't know that we are ever not supposed to think that that's those four guys I think as soon as we meet him we're supposed to go oh that's the guy yeah and I yeah and I think that's the other slightly problematic bit in the plot is that we can all see that um the fact that you've got him in that role pretty much guarantees it's not going to be the surf Nazis that are doing it it's the Clark so, Kent problem yeah yeah it can't it be is, him because he is, doesn't look like Ronald Reagan it is and I, I don't think that that detracts at all fr from it I I think that that's during that raid, we're supposed to be thinking, yeah, you got the wrong guys. This is a mess. This is going to be a disaster. And then they pile on. They're like, okay, not only was this a disaster, not only did you just kill a bunch of guys, you outed like some undercover guy who's been working his cover for two years. That raid scene was one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. It's brilliant. Really good fight scene. I liked, I, I liked the acting in it. Little bit of trivia. The naked woman in the shower who's just screaming the whole time. She's in Roadhouse. Maybe Patrick Swayze had a little thing. I don't know. What was the order of this? Which was first? Roadhouse, Roadhouse. or this? Roadhouse. Roadhouse. So, I don't know. He got her in to this movie? I don't know. And there's a little bit of quite clever foreshadowing in this, which I wanted to ask you guys about. Because this, this fucked with my head a little bit. Because I, don't, I haven't seen this film since I was 12. So I didn't remember much about it. I, I remembered a lot of the themes. I thought I remembered the whole plot, but I was convinced. I told the person I was watching it, I was like, when Gary Busey came on screen, I was like, oh yeah, now I know what happens. And I was convinced that Gary Busey was actually the leader of the crew. Why? I think, in your defense, Alex, you may have slightly crossed wires with the movie Drop Zone, where Gary mm -hmm. Busey is a skydiver uh they're skydiving yeah. bank robbers 
And I think right. he's, he's the bad guy in that. So you may have. That's so weird. That, so, okay. Thank you for clearing that up because I could not, I was having a Mandela effect thing going on there. I was like, I'm in another universe, but there's a different ending to this film. And I was so shocked when Gary Busey dies at the end. And then I realized that there was this, it looked like foreshadowing anyway. It was quite clever. After the raid, uh, Keanu's all upset and he, he's like looking in the mirror. Gary Busey comes up to him and says, it's kind of different from, uh, it's not a very good Gary Busey. It's kind of different from shooting uh, paper targets. Uh, the only, sorry, it's not different from shooting paper targets. The only difference is there's more cleanup or something like that. And in the mirror, on the close-up, well, the close-up of them and Gary Busey and them, their face, his face, the mirror's like cracked on Gary Busey's face. And Keanu's face is all like nice and pretty. And so I thought there's a quite a nice little bit of foreshadowing there, like he's going to die or, or he's a bad guy in my other reading of it. Well, it's just going back to sort of the moment has passed, but talking about Bodhi, whether he's a bad guy or not. And I, I think he is. I think that the end of the film, sort of when the final heist goes wrong, to me was the proof that actually he was always capable of killing people and his main drive is that he will do whatever it takes to further his all he cares about is getting to australia and doing that final surf he doesn't really care who dies as long as he gets to do it and i think that that's kind of what it all builds towards that he was the bad guy the whole time he's just charming i'm uh, halfway in between yeah, I don't fully agree with you. I think I agree that he always had the capacity for violence. I don't think he likes to use violence as a rule. And I think the reason that he does become violent at the flick of a switch is because he does care. He cares about those guys that are the other ex-presidents with him. And it's when he sees that two of them are hurt in that bank raid, that's when he emerges over the counter with the hate in his eyes and kills the cop who you know he didn't know he was a cop but still so i don't i don't fully agree with you but what we are exploring here is that perhaps this film is deeper than it initially appears indeed <laughs> it, I, I, I think it is isn't isn't one of those guys his brother like not not in real life it, the the character's brother is bodie's he refers to him as little bro and calls him little brother when he's injured. Yeah. The first, the youngest one that then dies. So one of the real pro surfers. Um, I don't know if he is his actual brother because that's the only time you right. hear him call him that or whether it's just right. a, you know, he's like a little brother to him. Yeah, yeah. I never have picked up on him being related. Uh, Fine. That said, if we go back to the outsiders, we know Patrick Swayze has a history of calling his little brother his little brother, right? Little brother? Just want to talk again about that raid on Warchild's place uh, when Anthony Kiedis blows his foot off. I think one of the things that's really striking about that scene is there's in, in actually most of the action in this film, there's no score, there's no music. It's all really fast cutting, loud, bombastic sound effects. And that raid is really messy, really scrappy. And you don't really get the sense that anyone is in complete control of that situation like it is just firepower versus firepower and i think that's why it's a really effective scene again not what we were used to seeing in, in action scenes around this time but much more fluid much more stylized and i think the rest of the film 
especially the surfing and the skydiving sequences are beautiful, are fluid when it's about the return to nature. But then whenever there's any conflict in the film, it becomes completely wild and chaotic. And I think that is what really helps this film stand out. Yeah, I, I made a note that the soundtrack's very understated for an action film. And uh, the last scene has more, or one of the last scenes has more of a, that was the only time I really kind of noticed the music, other than, like you said, when it was just in beautiful scenic shots, like the skydiving shot. Amazing, is just really amazing. Yeah, absolutely stunning. When you've got that overhead view of them and the landscape underneath. And there's just some, a very gentle soundtrack behind it. But yeah, I thought that was interesting that it very much let the visuals do the talking. It didn't rely on any audio punches or bullet points or full stops for you. It was, it was about what was happening on the screen. And I think that's interesting that it is that, that's the conflict within Bodhi, isn't it? That that kind of, he, he wants this serene, gentle, you know, that's where he wants to be. But you've got the chaos of the bank robbery and stuff. And it's that kind of two contrasting worlds throughout the film. Can I also just say, war child? Really? Yeah. I couldn't help but laugh. Hey, it's on the child? nose. No. It's on the nose, isn't it? That that name. Ben, it's isn't a bit there... wanky. Isn't there a... um? A, a bit of trivia about that skydiving scene. I remember you telling me a while ago that like it oh, wasn't yeah. going to happen at one point. Yeah, well, no, Laura S- told me about it. Yeah. Swayze wasn't oh. um, insured to do the skydive, but he had fallen in love with skydiving. So they got a couple of those shots on the slide. And that that is a genuine one of him saying adios amigo and jumping out of the plane. And that is a money shot, if ever there was a money shot. Uh, we'll have to come back to this when we talk about stunts. But just on the on the on the filmmaking filmmaking style and the way that it switches, I think in both the night surfing sequence and the skydiving sequence, Bigelow really captures the transcendence of those experiences. And so, using the music and the slow motion in that way does help separate those out from the rhythm of the rest of the film. And again, I think that's just the brilliance of, of Catherine Bigelow coming through there. Was there something else about the skydiving sequence, Laura? No, just that. I know you and I both watched the same uh, YouTube channel and so I'm sure we heard it there. <laughs> but yeah, I'd heard that little bit of trivia about Swayze just sneaking off to do it on his own. I think that kind of thing speaks to a f- just, there's a feel, there's a vibe from the movie that it's, it's a bit rough and ready. And that's the thing I love about movies of this era. And that for me is one of the saving graces. There's a bit when those two cops who are like teasing or, or bullying Gary Busey at the beginning for his surfer theory. And they come in, they pile on somebody during the raid and, and in the kitchen. And one of them actually smacks his face on the, on the countertops, like head goes back and smacks his face. Like, that's not a stunt. That's like, they used it, obviously. And I'm aware, because I, I watch a different YouTube channel where they tell me this stuff, that um, it's, it's like a re- really offensive to, to somebody if they do a stunt and they hurt themselves in it, if you don't use it, if it looks good, but you have to like, you have to use that shot. And it looks very much like there were several of those things. And perhaps you're prematurely coming onto stunts. But again, there's something about this rough and ready 90s feel this film had that, that I really like. Yeah, I'll come back to that in a minute. I've got a question for But That's for, what I'm saying. Ladies. Like the, the, the choppiness of the action season. So I don't think that is typically 90s. I think that is presaging what we got with the Bourne films. The much When the technology caught, caught up, to do that handheld frenetic stuff easier and cheaper 
and, and they were genuinely like winging it a lot on this. Uh, the, the action sequence that we have to talk about is when Keanu catches them coming out of the bank and there's a shootout, a car chase and a foot chase. That is an absolutely classic set piece that, again, in any other film, it would have just been a car chase. But to have the memorable bit of it be the foot chase in this is awesome. Yeah. And obviously paid homage to uh, by Nick Frost in Hot Fuzz. And that, that's why I loved, uh, where you mentioned Heat earlier. This is on, a, this action sequence is on a par with that shootout in Heat after the bank, the bank robbery in Heat. I Arguably, mean, I think that's, that's even better, uh, to be honest. Yeah, but that's a much it's, bigger scene. It's really scene. excellent. Yeah. It's really excellent. And, and, but Keanu, like, rolling around in fiery petrol. And, like, and Swayze. Swayze's on fire through the beginning of that foot chase. But is that actually him in the mask, though? That's not him in the mask, though. Right. But that shot is one of, in terms of the, like we've talked a lot about the, the, how technically great this film is, and the shot of Reagan flame throwing across the petrol station is just a glorious shot. It it's is. It's amazing. And it's, yeah, it's just that whole scene is fantastic. And, and Laura kind of went, hmm, the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, the, where they end up where he hurts his knee again. It's a spillway, isn't it? I said to Joe, I wonder if James Cameron was like, oh, I rented this spillway for Terminator 2. Do you want to use it for a couple of weeks or something? Yeah, right. Well, interesting, because Catherine Bigelow was married to, to James Cameron, and he actually did some uh, touch-up work on the script for this. Uh, yeah, in, I wonder who found the location first, whether it was Bigelow or him, because these both came out in 91, didn't they? This yeah, T2. Okay. Um, I just want to say, if, if nothing else, and feel free to talk about any other part of that action scene, Throwing a pit ball at a dude midway through a chase is the most maverick move that I can recall seeing in an action scene like that. I've never then, seen it before. But then Keanu punted the dog. I wrote, punted a dog. Like, that's not allowed. It made me think immediately of Anchorman, which you don't want to do in the middle of an action film. Hey, look, but, John so, Wick would not yeah. stand for that treatment of dogs, would he? John no Wick way. would kill Johnny Utah. Fact. 100%. This film would be very short if it was John Wick. There's a muscle car thing. I don't know if we're going to add it to the staples, but John Utah's driving a muscle car around in this. I'm not even sure if it's the same car because I don't, I don't know enough about cars. Uh, but John, John Wick also obviously famous for Yeah, Mustangs. Car. Mustangs, I'm pretty sure they both drive Mustangs. And seeing as we're talking about muscle cars, reboot, remake, sequel, all that sort of stuff. Well, this ticks a lot of boxes because there was a sequel not only greenlit, but written and ready to go into production by 1993. It never happened. Whoa. I think probably because Keanu's style was on the ascendant so much. This film was remade in 2015 uh, by Ericsson Court, written by Kurt Vimmer. Apparently, it's absolute dog shit. Has anyone seen the Point Break remake? I, I almost did this morning in preparation for this. Yeah. And then realized. That's like, going to waste too two hours of my life. Yeah, <laughs> It's not a film I think should be remade. And yet, arguably, there has been a very successful remake of it. The first Fast and Furious movie is basically Point Break, swapping out cars for surfboards. That, that was Giles' take on it, because he was sat um, while we were watching it. He doesn't like Point Break. Um, I won't say on here my response to that, because it's probably not broadcastable. Um, I'm divorcing you? <laughs> it was ruder. <laughs> Way ruder. Um, <laughs> way ruder. But, way ruder. But um, yeah, he, 
he that was exactly his take on it he was like this is this is fast and furious so that's quite interesting that you said that because that was his thing i think where fast and furious obviously takes it is the the bond between the scott walker character and, and vin and goes on forever and I, I actually used fast and furious as a reason why i don't care what giles thinks about point break because he loves those films but anyway Oh, I love those. I know you too. do. I know, but for different reasons. Oh. I just think it's a great as a great comparison. Um, I'm sure I've heard it before. Uh, it was it was one of the things watching Point Break for the first time since then. I was thinking, I, one of my notes is this is a Fast and Furious movie. But obviously, the other way around. This came first, and I love those movies. I, and and yet, I couldn't get myself into that kind of mindset for this. I haven't rated it yet. There's a lot that I enjoyed watching this film. There's, there were, I had issues with it, but if I'm going to come back full circle and say, well, all the criticisms I have of this film, the exact same criticisms I have of Fast and Furious movies, but I love them. So yeah, what's, what's, what's your problem, Alex? Yeah, what is your problem, Alex? Get over yourself. We'll, we'll get there eventually. We're going to figure we mentioned, it out. We mentioned an actor who I think we need to talk a little bit more about. Laura, maybe you would like to start us off on this. Gary Busey, discuss. Start you off hell. <laughs> what? He's a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> in real life, he's a psychopath. Yeah, well, I think in this film he's a little bit as well. I don't know. He's enjoyable. I think this is Gary Busey's best role ever. I don't know if I know enough Gary Busey roles to comment, but yeah, he's definitely very enjoyable. I don't know why I like the moment where he's asking for the meatball sandwiches so much, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. The best bit when he it's says, great. I could eat the ass end of a rhino. I should yeah. have got you to get me three of these things. <laughs> and he's like, get me two. And then he's like, get me two. He's like, again, it's like when, you, when he tucks into them, it's like, I definitely, you, you want one. You want one. But in that scene where Keanu goes to get the subs, he asks for tuna on meat. That's a far worse sandwich than what... Have I misheard what he's asking for? Tuna, Isn't it on, wheat? tuna on wheat. Wheat. Oh. That's a... <laughs> and this is a film you watch every year. <laughs> I've never really been paying attention to his sandwich order before, but I think... I, I, want, I want the shrimp and chip and shrimp and fries from, that he orders at the beginning when he's talking oh. to Laurie Petty. While we're talking about other cast members... John C. McGinley in his pre-Scrubs days. Great piece of shit movie in this. Joe, why don't you talk to us about John McGinley? I did a little, yes, the second he turned up on screen. <laughs> I, I love John C. McGinley so much. Uh, and every time, I had it recently when I've been watching a couple of different films that he's popped up in, very often as some kind of SWAT guy um, in during this sort of era. I just love his... He's just such an asshole, which is uh, referenced, obviously, in one of the quotes uh, in this. I think Rob put it on your Facebook page this morning. Must well, have had an asshole I guess shortage. we just have a, yeah, an asshole shortage. <laughs> Not so far. His line that I love, <laughs> he uses an insult that I don't think I've ever heard before or since. But I really think we need to get into rotation, which is just before Gary Boosie knocks him out. And he's saying something I learned that you still haven't figured out. He says, yeah, why don't you astonish me, shit face? <laughs> shit face? <laughs> shit face is great. That's a brilliant insult. There, there, there's, so, there's so many good lines in this. And I, there I, are. Just touching back on Gary Busey a little bit. 
if anything, I don't think there's enough of him in this because he's like he's such a mess and he's just wonderfully chaotic and it's a shame he he gets shot really um spoilers for anybody that hasn't seen it. and i almost said that that wasn't quite as big a moment as i think it should have been actually um, well, emotionally but keanu does a pretty i mean a really long no <gasps> yeah when he's running but, across the, the airstrip to him yeah and can, can i also jumping away from john c mcginley for a minute the raid the bit the end of the raid on the surf Nazis, me and Laura just went, Tom Sizemore, Tom Sizemore's in this film. Yeah, before he and, was uh, big. Yeah. yeah, he was, and he's on the screen for like, what, a minute? I love um, it. You think I like brilliant. this hair? You think I like yeah. these clothes? He's great. <laughs> Which is funny, because Keanu really does, he wants to get into that culture. Do you want to say something about Rosie before I say this other guy? It was just, it was bugging me the whole way through. Every time he was in a scene, I was like, oh God, I know, and, and I know him looking exactly like that, and it's not from this. And Laura just went, bang. Wayne's World. Wayne's oh, World. Wayne's World. Of course. Oh, right. Okay, that's why. That's why I reckon it must be Wayne's World. I've got a little theory I want to float to all three of you. I actually think that Keanu's a bad guy in this. Well... He's certainly the the betrayer in this, isn't he? So of everyone, the yeah. FBI, Laurie Petty, Bodie, he doesn't actually make any friends at all in this. That's his journey. That's his journey. <laughs> That's no, no, no. Seriously, <laughs> I'm being totally oh, sorry. I thought you were being funny. No, when he no, turns right. up at Bell's Beach at the end, like yeah. there's no chance him and Laurie Petty are still together. He is no. now a man obsessed. He's travelled the world looking for Bodie, and his white whale if you will. Whether through, you know, inspiration or by happenstance, Bodhi has actually changed the course of his life into him being a good dude, I think. And he throws in the badge, man. He throws the badge away. Being a good dude? Yeah, because all the stuff that you're talking about, all the, the finagling and the betraying of people, that was in his duty as a federal officer. So when oh. he throws the badge away, he's, his conscience is clear and he can go on now to be the person that he's learned to become. Mm, I did not see that. It definitely, this film, having said that, no, th this film didn't need to be remade. I can take that. This film needs a sequel. I'm interested in that. And also what I was interested in was maybe Keanu dying in that last fight. And then Bodhi gets to live on and we get to see him do a bunch of stuff. But that's just my twisted Kind of, I want to. I want to see the villain win. No, I've watched you know, the further adventures of Johnny Utah, but Bodie has to go down. Bodie has to go down. No, I was going to say the sequel thing because the end shot. You just it is that classic. If you don't see the body, you don't know if they're dead. Yeah. So obviously, you're supposed to think that's it. He's done, but you don't know because. So I guess that that I would have expected a sequel to sh shoehorn. There's this. Uh, rumours of this dude yeah. who's riding all the big waves and you know all that kind of stuff but yeah. <laughs> well both James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow have confirmed Bodie dies at the end okay. uh, in that case I'd have no interest in the sequel <laughs> had it been made then okay uh, Laura why don't you kick us off with what you spotted regarding the stables One, well I think he passes the bro test the, the, what is it stoner bro Keep going. Dude, man. Um, <laughs> Stoner bro, dude, man. 
stoner. Yeah, you nailed it. You man. nailed it. Definitely luscious hair. Yeah, I, particularly I, I, once yeah, yeah. once he starts surfing, then it's like bing, all of a yeah. sudden. Okay, so I got a question for you guys. In the past, when we've done Arnie and we've done Tom Cruise, I think you've both been pretty on the level about eh, there's a certain physical appeal to both of them, but they don't do anything for me. What about Keanu? Because I think Keanu is, especially in this, super hot. He's he's beautiful in this film. Uh, he wears a t-shirt very well. He wears a wet t-shirt even better. Um, (laughs) And there was one scene, and I think it might have been that one where he's trying to tell Laurie Petty that he's an FBI agent. And there's just a shot, and his eyes were just phenomenal in it. And, yeah, he's at his young beauty peak in this film for me, I think. Um, You know, he's not that kind of puppy face teenager that he is in in Bill and Ted um and he's not aged beauty aged but middle-aged beauty that he is in you know some of the more recent films um yeah he's he's and I he wasn't I was trying to think back to like when we were talking about Top Gun and stuff and and Outsiders and whatnot and um you know my wall of of posters of uh pinups not in a pastry way I'm pretty sure I have chicken Stevens (laughs) Not that, like, that was a calendar. I had a wall of posters from, like, Teenage Magazine. I think I had maybe, I think I might have had a picture of Keanu on there. But I think you had a Swayze, didn't you? I definitely had a Swayze. I don't know if Keanu was on there. So at the time when I was, he's probably a little bit later than, you know, mine was 80s heartthrobs. Although River Phoenix was up on there. I, yeah, I don't. Uh, don't remember any of that kind of uh, teenager swoonness about Keanu but yeah he's absolutely beautiful in this film for sure yeah agreed (laughs) (laughs) there is a consensus well I'll I'll chime in now being more mature having more experience with what is and what isn't beautiful what people find beautiful or not Keanu I think is clearly um, way over and above um, Arnie and Tom Cruise, for sure. When I was younger, I didn't get it at all. For some reason, I just thought I, Keanu had like a boring face. I just thought he was plain looking and boring. And I, I agree, but, man. It's, it was around the speed time when he became yeah. a superstar and all the girls at school were talking about him and Ryan Giggs for some reason. And yeah. uh, <laughs> a weird link. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. I didn't see it either because I was looking at, you know, Brad Pitt, I get it. Keanu, I'm not really getting it. Yeah, but I get it now, obviously. I, I get it now. Yeah. Um, and weirdly, the reverse, like Laurie Petty, when I was younger, I was like, yeah, she's super hot, like Tank Girl and stuff like that. I, so, you know, I think people nowadays know her from like Orange is the New Black. Um, that's what she's recognizable for now. And she's done, I think, arguably, I think she had her early career and then a massive gap, and then she's doing better now, I think. Yeah, I think Tank Girl really hurt her. That's a film I'd yeah. like to go back and watch. She's just got like, amazing eyes, like really. Yeah, big but I eyes. She did nothing for me this this time. The unemotional response to things. Mm. Um, yeah, and Laura talks about it earlier. I yes, in maybe the scenes with him and Laurie Petty, but for the vast majority of the film, it was almost too much. Well, we said in the same way that Cruz was too much energy than was necessary. I think there was too much attempt at emotion, which came out through shouting. Uh, in this he was definitely trying to get away from or had the direction to be more vociferous and you know 
out there and energetic and a lot of the scenes in this. Um, so I think it was kind of a, a counter staple for him most of this film for, for us. Uh, Alex, you had a different take, but well, no, you said it. When I first came up with the inappropriately emotionless reaction shot, uh, like the perfect example of it is when Patrick Swayze puts a video monitor in front of him, which is obviously pre-recorded, not live, uh, of Laurie Petty with Rosie Cat holding a knife against her throat. She's kidnapped and being held hostage. And that's how, you know, he, he persuades or, or forces Keanu to go along with it. The reaction shot you get, it comes back to Keanu after he's just seen that, you know, his new love uh, kidnapped and, and held at knife point. There's zero emotion in his face at all. The idea merged or evolved from inappropriately emotionless to just an inappropriate emotion. And so it is on a par with Tom Cruise's too much energy, more energy than necessary. It feels like Keanu in this has two modes. And I will accept Ben's point, though, that there's a, there is a moment between him and Laurie Petty that that's good acting. But overall, I just I don't really get what's going on chemistry wise. And I'm not supposed to. It's like the chemistry between um, Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah, but that's because they're both gay. That doesn't make yeah, any I sense. <laughs> I know, but still, I think they're... Allegedly. Right. I'm equating it. I'm equating it. Look, I take your point. And I would rather have um, the broody stoner hunk pro seething from within than Keanu trying to do histrionics and sobbing and things like that. And that coming across as really fake. So we've got luscious hair. Oh, well, two big ticks for the woe. Two big scenes, both surfing and skydiving, have big whoa moments i counted five woes yeah it's all together it's a good the action woes though they're different woes they are yeah is there are there any classic woes that anybody like whoa like actually saying whoa at something more the bra there's some bra there's a lot of bra there's a lot of bra (laughs) let's talk about stunts then because obviously we've we've said swayze does his own skydiving he doesn't do his own running and shooting. Keanu does not do his own skydiving. And I think it stands out that he is on a rig uh, in those skydiving sequences. But in the foot chase, especially, I think even including that jump down into the, whatever you call that ravine, the, the runoff ravine thing, he does do all of that stuff, running, jumping, getting footballs thrown at him. And I think, although he didn't actually hurt his foot when he jumps down into the the well that was written in because Keanu so Johnny Utah is playing an American footballer his backstory is an American footballer who busted up his leg and so went to law school Keanu Reeves was wanted to be a professional hockey player and busted up his leg and so went to acting school so I think that was written in for that purpose it was pretty much tailored to him that's a nice little thing also on the surfing stuff um, they obviously all did go surfer training uh, Swayze was a surfer in his young days so he picked it up pretty well Keanu had never surfed before and um, the guy who actually does the the Bell's Beach stunt at, at the end the 50-foot wave stunt was Swayze's surf stunt double so if someone actually did do that I don't know where they found that fucking wave that's incredible uh, but he said Keanu had clearly never surfed before and needed a lot of guidance so there's a lot of stunt doubles in the surfing sequences Laurie Petty, who you said looked really the part on the surf dude, 
had never even been to the ocean before she'd been in this film. What? Yeah. That's crazy. That was a pretty cool bit of trivia, yeah. It's quite impressive. It's a bit like you, Ben, a bit like you. When we met at uni, you were like, I've never had a steak before. It's true. 20 years on the planet and you'd never had a steak before. I didn't have a steak until my last night of the second year of university. Fact. True stuff. Didn't have oysters until I was 29. Okay, big tick. Uh, This was a staple that I was pushing right from the beginning. Guilt in some largely comes from this film. Joe, go for it. Nice use of comes from. (laughs) Yeah. When when we were checking on staples, I was rolling them through for for Laura, and she's like, "Guilting some?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Like instead of getting some, and like, ah, and yeah, we both kind of went definitely in this film. Um, quite glad there wasn't like a Top Gun esque sex scene in this. It's kind of went, "We're going to kiss," and then after, lovely, that's enough, and we didn't need anything else. Yeah, and what was um, curious about that, I remember. Do you remember Rick's video in Ashbourne, Joe? Mm-hmm. I used to pick up the case for this and, and I'm an R about renting it. And I think I did rent it eventually. But one of the reasons that I was worried to rent it during a, a summer holiday or something was because mum would watch it with us for sure. And on the back, it says something about like, on the beaches of California where the days are hot and the nights are even hotter. And I thought, oh, there's <laughs> going to be loads of softcore. And this is an 18 certificate. And so I put it off for ages because I didn't want to have to watch a, a, you know, a sexy scene with mum. Yeah, well, I don't know if Laura wants to, if she can remember to relay her immediate reaction to when they woke up on the sand. Oh, sand everywhere was my reaction. <laughs> I think it was, ooh, sand yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Pretty nuts. Pretty nuts? No, gritty, gritty. gritty nuts. Oh. Okay, now the uh, Broody Stone hunk bro, I don't think he is for most of the film, but... When he walks onto that beach at the end, he's got the Canadian tuxedo, he's got the long floppy hair, he is absolutely classic Keanu in that scene, and that is the Broody Stoner Hunk bro of which we speak. What is a, what's a Canadian tuxedo? I've never heard that expression. Denim Double bottom, down in. Denim top. Double denim. I never, I never knew that. I'm definitely going to start rocking that. Yeah, so one of the reasons why guilting some is such a major staple in this is is because he's not the person he says he is. He, ha- he is lying to the person that he's sleeping with. He's saying that his parents died. He's manipulated her. Um, and she's certainly very upset about it. But she seems to not care at all when he rescues her at the end from being kidnapped. I think I would be like that if Keanu saved me from being kidnapped. Is talking to himself a staple? Did that quite a lot in this. <laughs> Can yeah, I just say what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. He doesn't play a guitar in this, but we do finally get our first Keanu playing a John or a Jack. And I don't think it's an accident that it's in his first action role. Johnny Utah is the first in a long line of action Johns slash Jacks. Jacks. And I actually didn't remember that that was the name of his character. So when he first gets introduced, I just turned to Laura and went, Johnny Utah? I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a shit name. I couldn't get that. I couldn't get that Utah Saints song out of my head afterwards as well. Do you remember Utah Saints? Yeah, yeah. Utah Saints. Utah Saints. Does anyone want to say anything about the philosophy of the film? We've touched on this and Bodhi has a, a mixed bag philosophy, the ultimate ride, but it's okay if people die occasionally on the way. There is an attempt 
at some philosophy in this film. I don't think it lands. I don't think it comes through very clearly. I think most of the philosophy is in Patrick Swayze's head. And that's about it. I, you you met, you said quite clearly after I said I think Keanu's a bad guy in this that it's his journey. There is some philosophy behind that. I don't think the movie is necessarily one way or another going against the system or or breaking the rules or breaking free from confines. You know, Bodie at the end says, "Me in a cage? No way!" Like you know, like he's, well, he's, the, he's supposed to be the epitome of free spiritedness. And I don't think the movie's actually espousing that at all. No, the bit that really stands out as disingenuous is when the bank job has gone wrong, they know that they've got a Fed on their case, and the rest of the ex-presidents are saying, let's just cut and run. Let's get yeah. out of here. The heat around the corner is coming. And he makes this speech about how they are some sort of totemistic icons that the people yeah. stuck on the freeway look up to, you know, as a yeah. way of, you know, we mean something. I'm like... No, no way, man. You are so full of shit. And I don't know if it's just that's a mechanism of the script saying we've got to do one last job, which I'm, yeah. I'm leaning towards, or if we're actually in that moment supposed to think you are fully full of shit. But I'm really glad that we get that final scene on the beach in Australia because I think the epilogue is, is brilliant. I really, really love it. I could have done without the little fight scene. But to give any sort of credibility to any of the philosophy of the film, you have to have those two guys come up against each other in that way at the end. And him letting him go, knowing that he's going to die, is the right ending. I'm really confused, to be honest, about what, what is the philosophy of this supposed to be? Because you've got the surf dudes who, you know, you've got the ex-presidents who are bucking the system, going up against the man... You know, they're not being greedy, they never go for too much, or to enable their life of roaming the world and surfing, which then obviously escalates. And then you've got Keanu as the, you know, there's rules for a reason, you've got to go down, all that kind of stuff. He then just becomes so obsessed with him that he carries on and carries on until he catches him. But then as soon as he catches him, he turns his back on the, the system that he's been trying to defend and prove you know you have to follow the rules sort of thing you know he ends by throwing his badge away and potentially i guess we like you said we assume he then becomes the surfer dude bro so i i'm kind of confused as to like is he going actually that is the right philosophy and it was just his approach that was wrong bodhi's approach was wrong or it is confusing yeah i also didn't really care yeah that's the other thing i just enjoy should we analyze the philosophy of fast and the furious (laughs) no definitely not yeah no definitely no 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 well it's Um, easy yeah it's family you know i don't think it was trying to make a statement i think you only need to worry about the philosophy of a film if it's trying to say something really big and i don't think that's what this was about it was just about making a, a really good action yeah film it, with some beautiful shots i think it's there to give the film an angle that a lot of the other action films of this time wouldn't have had so it does help it stand out it helps the longevity of the film in the same way that the filmmaking does to an extent but you're never going to write an essay about this the way that you would about the matrix can i just say something about the the, the fact we're talking about this is you know it's an early 90s film and i know you said Ben, in terms of it was quite progressive in some of the technical approaches it took. And, and Laura yeah. certainly shouted out the same scene that you did, the long shot of that 
heist towards the end, which I'm, I don't tend to pick up on the technical stuff unless it's a really obvious, beautiful bit of cinematography, like the, um, the skydive bit, like it was just a beautiful shot. I don't, pick, I don't pick up on the technical elements like you guys do. But I certainly think from a... And we watched this on a DVD as well, doing it proper old school, which you know, quality-wise was fine. And I don't actually think it's aged like I don't think stylistically when you look at a lot of this and that's probably the fact it's on the beach so they're in wetsuits and beach gear for a lot of it it's not like watching a lot of films at that time or just before where you go it's so obviously shot in that time and of that time I didn't get that sense at all I think it could it could there's maybe one or two moments where you kind of go that's very 90s in style um it could be now I think and still work other than I think Laura called out the the technology that you see in the film. Yeah, every now and again you see a computer and go, ha ha. But otherwise, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing in it that I think, drew, yeah, it doesn't pull you out of the moment and go, oh yeah, this is old. I think that was reflected in Tom, Joe's son. He really enjoyed it and he wasn't going, oh, this is really outdated. And Yeah, yeah I don't think it's, it's not cheesy, is it? It doesn't, well stylistically it's not cheesy in the same way that like a lot of those Simpson and Bruckheimer movies where Armageddon for instance yeah it's not got that stink of cheese on it should we do numbers um, I just want to say one more thing before we move on move on to that it's a really interesting it's a really nice bit of character development and I think this is the Catherine Bigelow element is Dr Cox is like walking Johnny Utah through like the FBI field office or whatever and he's giving him this whole speech and he's and, and you're sort of trying to get this impression that he's really like together and he's got everything he's like i take the skin off chicken and stuff like that i'm clean cut i don't drink i don't smoke and then he says do you know how we get the bad guys we crunch data johnny utah picks up a donut and just eats a donut right in front of his face uh, just after saying like i don't eat sugar i don't drink i don't and i think that's supposed to set up Keanu as like a bad boy cop but I didn't see any more of that really he doesn't spend a lot of the film crunching data let's put it that way no he doesn't and and so fine he is undercover and you know this crunching data captain or chief whatever doesn't like it it's another element that I'm like I wanted more of that I wanted to see Johnny Utah be a bit more fuck you the system and then that would have made me believe that he actually was seduced by so you, you want, the Patrick Swayze character. You want a renegade cop who plays by his own rules. Exactly. <laughs> I think there he may does... be some films out there for you, Alex. <laughs> right, okay, cool, cool, cool. He, he does walk back into the FBI office in his surf gear with his surfboard. Love it, love True. it. Yeah, and there's a, and there's, a, there's a line in the trailer that's actually not in the movie, in that, where John McGinley says to him, we're not paying you to pick up girls, Utah. And Keanu goes, the correct term is actually babes, sir. <laughs> That's funny. Why'd you cut that line? Yeah. yeah. Ready for some numbers? It's your numbers. Budget. $24 million. Now that's quite wow. high. That's quite it high. It is quite high. It's his biggest budget so far. Paid off though, worldwide gross, $83 million worldwide. Uh, not his most successful film today. His highest grossing film today is Alex. Dangerous Liaisons. No, apparently. Surely. Apparently, oh, made $125 yeah. million. Dollars. Uh, it currently yeah. sits on IMDb at 7.3 and has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 
69! <laughs> no way. It really does. It's, funny. it's your numbers. Before we wrap it up, give me some of your favourite lines, Laura. Oh, Joe wrote them all down. What was the squid one, Joe? <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, speaking to the microphone, microphone squid brain. <laughs> that was it's a terrible. Gary Busey line. It was amazing. I loved it. Yeah, we wrote down, you're a radical son of a bitch. Oh, and this is one, Laura, do you want to pick up on, purely for Alex, we, we noticed a couple of... The wizard. Yeah. <laughs> totally not interesting, probably, but the bit where they're looking at the car uh, that's been dumped. I think Gary Busey says, are you done, Mr. Wizard? There's a oh, bit in the Matrix, shit. isn't there? Yeah, 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 Mr. Wizard, the way Matrix. Obviously, we're in, we're in the county verse, that's it. Well, this one, I thought we didn't want to start you down that rabbit hole. But... Well, no, it's already happened. Ben, Ben's and done it. The asshole shortage. That was a good one. The whole speech about getting the sandwich. I just love it. That That's whole brilliant. moment, getting everything, every single line Gary Busey says in that scene were my favourite. It's my favourite scene. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. Definitely the line from this film that I have said the most, though, is, saved your life, bro. Close one. <laughs> Whereas for me, it's the, I am an FBI agent. The way oh, he emphasises each bit of that is just... How could we yeah. forget? Actually, just on that, there was, um, there was a, an improv group that did uh, a live stage version of Point Break after this film came out. And they always used a member of the audience <laughs> to play Keanu's role, reading the lines from cue cards to give the truest sense of someone who doesn't necessarily know how to act, which is pretty harsh, but pretty fucking funny. And I'd love to see some of those performances when it comes to the FBI. Two things. In Spaced, the TV series Spaced, Nick Frost's character is paint boiling, they're paint boiling at one point, and he does the kind of, he's aiming, and then pulls away and points, shoots at the sky. I mean, Spaced is loaded with movie references, like, I think that that's just a, that could be a podcast in and of itself, trying to spot all those. Uh, but does it in hot fuzz as well, though, because he asks... Oh, right. He asks Simon Pegg, you ever fired your gun in the air and gone, ah? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. No, he does it with brilliant. his remote control, doesn't he? When they're watching oh, right. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, think... again, it's a reference that I would have missed. I think, because f- I've only seen Point Break once before, and I think it was the weekend that Ben and I went to see the Cornetto trilogy in the cinema, and that was why we watched Point Break. Absolutely right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Funny. Well, yeah. So uh, it, that's one of the things. This film cl- it clearly has a legacy. The other thing that was just casually mentioned was just uh, it was during the raid. Like, uh, yeah, it is a 90s film, isn't it? Any excuse to get some tits in there. How do you guys feel about that? Because it's kind of true. In this era of films, whenever there's like Arnie films, especially whenever there's a raid, we should have made it an Arnie staple. It's like, there's just some boobies floating around, flying around somewhere. I'll let Laura take that first. I did notice it. I don't know if this is an unfair assumption, but I, I was kind of surprised, given that it's directed by a woman, that there was some gratuitous boobage. But I think there was also a lot of topless men. And Keanu Reeves almost gets little Keanu out at one point. Indeed. And one of the things, one of the things actually I really liked about that, it's a tiny, tiny moment. It's not a tiny, tiny Keanu. Yeah, you do see his... His pubes. He's, he's sleeping in bed naked, and um, but Laurie Petty is also bottomless in that scene, right? She comes in in her shirt when she says, "Don't you have a soul?" And it was a really nice. It's such a tiny, tiny thing that it's not worth making a point about. But I hate 
in movies when they always wake up with an L-shaped duvet that covers all of the erotic bits uh, or they're like emerged from bed somehow fully clothed in a teddy and, and you know sexy pants or something um, so that was a nice thing but on the on the boobs I do think because it's not done for titillation it's no they raided this place while she was having a shower and she gets mm. involved in the fight like she's yeah. knocking that guy about and she's yeah. naked yeah that was that was what I was going to say about it I think it's yes there's a we see a silhouette of her in the shower. Obviously, she's because she's in the shower, she's there naked. But I like the fact that it doesn't stop. She doesn't sit in a corner screaming. Yeah, she just, like, I don't care if I'm completely naked. I'm going to kick some ass. So I didn't feel like it was, oh, there's tits. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just wanted to call out a couple of Top Gun crossovers. Okay. Uh, we were messaging each other, but we had the same notes after the first kind of 20 minutes of the film. The beach football scene being this film's equivalent of the volleyball scene in Top Gun and obviously the broness and, and the bromances throughout. But the bit right at the end as well, where Keanu throws his badge away, I thought that was very similar to the dog tags bit uh, at the end sure. of Top Gun. We were talking uh, just in between calls there, Alex, about how um, Keanu wasn't the first person that the studio wanted for this. They wanted either Johnny Depp or Charlie yeah. Sheen. Yeah. Right. Charlie Sheen would have been interesting. And then Joe came up with a brilliant... Uh, replacement for Gary Boosie in the Pappas role if Charlie Sheen was playing the Johnny Utah role. Nick Nolte. Yeah. I would watch that. That would have been a mental. I think it would have been more violent, just lots of, of sweariness and shoutiness. Yeah. yeah. It would have been crazy. Yeah. I think yeah. if Charlie Sheen and Nick Nolte were starring together in a film, that would be the most drug addled film set in the history of drug adult film sets yeah in the 90s for sure yeah. i also happen to think that it would have that would have the acting would have been even better nick nolte charlie sheen patrick swayze as the main role nick nolte charlie sheen and then robert redford as Bodie. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> not having that looks of derision no. from my family there and okay. Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver as Tyler. As, as Tyler. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Okay, let's give it a score. Alex. I'm giving this film a solid three stars for all the technical things that we've talked about, everything that's good of it. It's, it stays forever. It loses two stars for the reasons that I've said. They're personal to me. I didn't dislike watching this film. That's why it gets a solid three. I, I can even bump it to three and a half. But giving it a four, I can't just because I. Just looking at all everything else I've given four, I did not enjoy. I gave Tune in Tomorrow a solid four stars. I enjoyed that so much. I, 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 I'll watch it again right now. I won't be watching this again for years. Maybe my problem is I haven't watched this film enough and that there's more to it than I'm getting and I need to watch it more. Joe? It's a solid four for me. I, I don't think I can push it up any higher just because there's a few bits, but it hasn't aged. I wasn't bored at all. I wasn't thinking, God, how long is this film? There's some beautiful scenes in it. I like the fact that it starts in a moody, rainy shot and it ends in a moody, rainy shot. There's a nice kind of completing the circle there. Yeah, I, it's, it's easily a solid four. And depending on my mood, I might put it even higher. But um, yeah, I, I think it's great. And I think the fact that it stands up for to my 12 year old son watching it now i think is a good um recommendation totally laura i would agree at the very least a four i could probably watch this again next weekend 
<laughs> it has a lot of things I enjoy. I always love 90s action films, and I love practical effects and all that stuff, so yeah. easily a four. Yeah, well, five stars from me. I love it. You can call that a nostalgia pick if you want, but let's, let's remember Catherine Bigelow is the only woman that has ever won the Best Director Oscar. That is a fact. And she is the reason that this film has aged so well, in my opinion. Her and Keanu being so beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, five stars for me. Okay, that just about wraps it up. Laura, Joe, is there anything you want to promote? Anything that you want to say hello to? Anything that you want to say hello to? You want to say hello to your Roomba? In the words of my nephew, nope. You don't want to plug your book? <laughs> oh, this. Sure, I don't know how much crossover there is between your listeners and children's books, but... You'd be surprised. <laughs> uh, the Dew Gone Gone Wrong, available as an ebook on Amazon. That's D-U-G-O-N-G, Dew Gone Gone Wrong. Dew Gone um, what, what is it, Laura? I haven't heard anything about it. Can you tell me something about it? It is a <laughs> children's book that promotes environmentalism and being good to the planet. Go awesome. to OK What Next on Facebook to find out more. Yeah. Awesome. Joe, you want to say hi to anyone? I'll say to, uh, uh, hello to everybody apart from Tom. Uh, Fine, good. Because he didn't say hello to us. Uh, hi to all my friends who are helping get me through um, lockdown. And just uh, when we get to Dracula, there's a scene from Point Break that uh, is a crossover from Dracula that I forgot to talk about. So we'll then. Uh, we will be back soon with... Another film, I think possibly My Own Private Idaho, I can't remember. I'll look it up. You'll find out next time. And until next time, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! <laughs>